Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You think about the person in your life when you started believing you more than anyone else. They're the ones that made the sacrifices. And I walk out, my old man's next to me. They're not just looking at you, they're looking at what made you. Now, I want them talking about our fucking game. I want them talking about us. Welcome listeners to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend Bardi. Hello Bardi. Hello Windy. And our tactics guy and a man who would never make a fuss after yet another return from long-term injury. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello Nathan. That's me. I don't know about you two, but the sight of Rodrigo Bentancourt stood on the touchline with the biggest shit-eating grin on his face was just my favourite moment (laughs) of the match. So happy to be back. It's heartwarming, heartwarming to see him back and at a good time as well. He's come back into a into a team that's thriving, which is a lot easier for, for an injured player. Hell yeah, yeah. And it means we don't have to rush him. I, I, mm. I've been really pleasantly surprised by how Spurs have handled this with his injury. Postacoglu's been very vocal about it, about the fact that Bentancourt's been in his office all the time, begging to, to come back onto full training, and he's been quickly followed by the doctors who said, no, not yet. And Postacoglu's waited and waited and waited. And now, after slowly building up his training schedule, he's now got some minutes off the bench. And it was it was lovely to have him back. But I hope he's not starting anytime soon. I hope it's incremental um, increases in his playing time over the next month. And then perhaps he'll be ready to start. But yeah, like Barley says, great time to have him back. Wonderful stuff. And um, I mean, just generally, very, very positive very positive result and I would even say a positive performance despite the fact Nathan that it was quite a drab game yeah yeah I um how deep do you want me to go into this right now (laughs) go for it okay okay so I think that this is one where it's like uh, it's another one um in a run of a few games now where it's like okay if you look at the expected goals in this game um we've been a little lucky or at least we've not been unlucky again we've not been unlucky right um but if you look at the game tactically um <clears throat> Palace set up really, really well um, um, in a in a four four two. I did a video um, 
which came out just before the Palace game, um, analysing Hoiberg's performance um, compared to Basuma's performance. And I looked at the Fulham game, I looked at the Sheffield United game. I talked about this in the podcast as well last week, yeah. Um, and I talked about how they used the 4-4-2 to double mark our number six. Palace did the same thing. And then Palace, I think, did an even better job of 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 uh, being really tight on our wingers, mm, inviting yeah. the pass to Richarlison and Kulisewski and then getting their fullback straight out to them. And um, that really, really shut us down. Um, this is again where I'll I'll do my what's becoming my my you know my Bart Simpson catchphrase: say the line. If we had a one v one specialist in that situation, um, like a really really good one, maybe we just blow Palace away in the first half. But what it meant was that essentially um, Kulusevski reacted to that situation by holding the ball, keeping it safe, walking backwards, and playing the safe and easy pass, which meant he was essentially anonymous in the first half. Richarlison constantly tried things. And the first few times he did the immediate blind uh, inverted through ball to Davies or Madison. And the first couple of times it came off and that was really nice and exciting. And then Palace were wiser to it. They made to always watch that run into the channel. Richarlison's execution dropped off. And then what was happening is he was just losing the ball repeatedly, trying higher risk things. You've got two completely different responses um, to that situation, which to be honest, works out as a reasonable balance, mm-hmm. except not a reasonable left-right balance. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, a struggle um, in the first half and any attempt to to try to get Palace to come and press beyond the halfway line um, was a real challenge. Second half, um, recognised these problems and started getting other players in wide areas. So started getting Poro to go around the outside of Kulosevsky and Kulosevsky come in, started to get Madison out on the left touch line. Um, and uh, instantly, instantly opened them up. And okay, it's an own goal, but um, it comes from a, from a couple of well-worked plays. We're starting to get a lot of success. And then finally, we're able to draw them onto us. And there was a sort of a fun period of time where we're sort of teasing them, <laughs> um, riling up the Palace fans, drawing them onto us. And then and then that second goal is a, is an absolute piece of art, back to front football, um, finally drawing Palace out onto us. So during that period of time, and we're talking, I don't know what that is, 25 minutes or so, during the period of time where we needed to create chances, we did. After 75 minutes um, or so, once we're two up, we sort of take our foot off the pedal a little bit. We make all these subs, um, you know, players returning from, uh, uh, three players returning from injury um, coming onto the pitch, um, having maybe a little too much fun trying to draw Palace onto us. And we sort of let Palace back into the game a little bit. So again, if you if you look at just the expected goals numbers in this game, you say, oh, we've maybe been a little lucky there. But tactically, I think we showed a 25-minute period where we were really, really strong. And if you extrapolate that period of the game, it's a strong performance. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's a couple of points there that I would slightly disagree with. But I think that's um, broadly a really fair summary of the game. Um we're recording on Saturday afternoon, which is very unusual for us. Normally it's, it's mm. Monday evening. And I've just watched Chelsea fail to break down a very stubborn Brentford side who in some ways did defend, albeit in a different shape, similarly to how Crystal Palace defended against us. Very few spaces between their lines, you know, compact as a team, moving as one. So yeah. difficult to break down. And Chelsea had two 1v1 specialists in wide areas. They had Raheem Sterling on one side and Noni Madweke in the other side, who are, I think most people would say, like elite uh, 1v1 specialists in, in the realms of 1v1 specialists 
uh, and they still couldn't break down Brentford. They still couldn't. So it's it's difficult. It's re- yeah. what we're talking about is really high level difficult stuff. We these teams are so well drilled. Roy Hodgson is the master at drilling teams in this shape, and we played an even more extreme version of this kind of shape from Palace because, of course, they're missing Eze and Elise. And were Eze and Elise fit, they likely would both have started, or at least one of them would have started. And we might have seen a a different setup slightly or or some um, maybe less rigidity, less uh, focus on being in defensive shape and more of a want to to play it wide. So this was hard. And I think what you say about the way... um, Richarlison in particular was playing those first time balls to the underlapping player was a really interesting point. It's something that Chris Somerset and I spoke about in Straight Off the Training Ground last week, which is our Patreon podcast, patreon.com forward slash the extra inch. Um, this is an Ange-ism um, where he really, really likes underlapping runs and he really likes the wide player to start wide and pass into the player who's who's making those runs. And Udogi has been incredible at making those runs. And he's also really incredible at taking the ball on the run. His his touch, his ability to keep the ball in his stride is, I think, unrivaled in our squad, possibly. And I do think Davis playing uh, had a significant impact in that respect. And I think had Udogi sure. started, I think we might have seen a lot more joy. Um but the other the other point about that is that we we persistently make those passes rather than and certainly in this game rather than the winger cutting in because the spaces the winger would typically cut into with the ball you know think of Son Heung-min at his um, peak cutting in off the left into that pocket and getting shots away that space just didn't exist against Crystal Palace it did such a great job of of shutting that space down so we were looking for alternatives and uh, I, I think we did a good job in trying to hunt them out and. My main um, takeaway, and this is something that Postacoglu was quick to say after the match, was how impressed I was with our patience. We didn't get drawn into really forcing things. We didn't get drawn into overplaying or committing too many players forward. We just waited and waited and waited, knowing that we had the quality, we had the ability, we would eventually create a moment. And, you know, that moment came with Madison just flashing the ball across the ball across the box and of course it's, it's a little bit of good fortune because a, a better player a more nimble player than Joel Ward perhaps clears that but uh it's a great it's a great ball nonetheless but then you got Richarlison who should have been following that up so I think I think it's unfair like that that goal didn't score anything on XG doesn't count as anything but it's the movement to get there it's the the, the, the kind of passing that got us into that position which I really like and forcing a known goal is you know it's just it's, it's just as good as scoring a goal it counts exactly the same so I liked it. I think Palace and Fulham were two teams that were always going to cause us problems. And um, I think we're, we we know we're better against teams that, that play front foot football, come and press us so we can pass around them. These are two challenging teams. Especially away. Peak view. Yeah, at peak viewing, peak viewing time where Tottenham could really stack it in front of a viewing audience. That was Friday night, man. Everybody was tuning in with a beer to watch Tottenham mess up. Mm. Everybody wanted to watch that. Everybody wants to see when this <laughs> finally ends. And there's a lot of pressure building on Spurs, but we got through it, man. And even the final four minutes were hectic, but we were able to get through it. We were able to withstand it and win some nice fouls, keep possession. There was one moment where I think it was like 99 minutes and Romero, Vicario and Van der Ven started to pass the ball out. And I was just, in my head, I was like, boot it! <laughs> <laughs> just get rid. 
Um, but they they killed forty five seconds just doing that, and it's um, there's a real bravery about this team now. And I think I think the more results like this we get, where we we haven't played brilliant, but we've got the result. Yeah, I think this is just going to help us in the long run, buddy. Do you think Richarlison scores that goal of Ward lets it run? No. <laughs> do you think he's? Is that because of your total lack of faith in Richarlison's ability to finish, or is that because you think he's not making the run? He's not. He's not on his toes enough in that moment. I don't think he's on his toes, and I think Madison's probably hit it too hard. Okay. And I think I think it flashes past. Um, I think he, he does like a despairing lunge, and we all go, "Oh, yeah!" We're all like, "Oh, yeah!" That was nearly it, Richarlison. But yeah, no, he doesn't make it. Johnson makes it though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Johnson got a good assist. Really good assist. He, he did. Really I, good assist. I want. I want to talk about the subs because. I was critical last week of Pastor Cogley's use of subs. Nathan's been a little critical already. I feel the opposite, I think. He absolutely nailed the subs in this game. I was really, really, really happy with his use of substitutes. I was also critical of Emerson Royale last week. At half-time, I was thinking to myself, I want Emerson Royale to come on. Because Davis was getting bullied in the air by RU. And also, RU was... uh, He was making lots of cheap fouls. Yeah. And they weren't getting picked up on or they were getting called, but he wasn't getting the yellow, which I felt he deserved. He had a warning from the referee after two and he kept doing them and he didn't get booked. And so I wanted Royale on firstly to compete with him in the air. Secondly, to shithouse him towards a booking. Because <laughs> I know that Emerson Royale is so good at selling fouls uh, and really good at getting his body between the ball and, and the man, to be fair as well. like Good at winning fouls, not just selling them. Um, but he really, Emerson Royale really impressed me in his uh, 45 minutes. I thought he genuinely changed the dynamic of the game by like upping the, the level of the battle on that side, which was, for me, the like the hardest battle on the pitch was, was RU against Davis. And Royale, I think, completely tipped that in our favour, and I thought it was brilliant. And then he brought on Hoybier and Johnson. I love the Hoybier sub because it preserves Basuma, and I thought Hoybier looked really yeah. calm and composed again. And Johnson, like, almost instantly has a big impact. We've spoken about the assist, but for me, the, the, the piece of play in that move that I loved the most was the header. I thought it was really such nice a smart header. Good awareness. Saar smashes this ball crossfield. <laughs> smart as Saar hit that ball with a bit of fade, a bit of technique. That was beautiful it was from Saar. That it was, was a good ball. Peak. It was technique on perfection. It was a good ball, but it sits yeah, up awkwardly ball. for Johnson. And he has to make a decision. Do I try and take this on my chest and it probably goes up in the air and I can't go with my momentum? Or do I do what he did? And that's like he really strained his neck muscles and headed it into the path of Madison. I thought that was really, really impressive. And I love um, you, Wendy. I, I love you so... You like. I, we're so similar. Like, oh, it was a good ball. Like, that was a good save. It was a good save. <laughs> like, Sar so, so, so made a lot of good passes in this game. Like, I didn't think that was one of his better ones. Like, that's quite a... a it's quite an easy pass. Like, he's just in-step whacking it across the pitch. Like, he got the weight right, but I think, like, technically it's a simpler pass than some of the others he made in that game. I, uh, Madison obviously takes the touch brilliantly. Johnson carries on his run. rest is history. It's, it's superb. It's, it's a really nice move. The only thing holding it back from being, like, a classic Spurs uh, back-to-front goal is the fact that not all the 
touches are clean. Like there's a couple of nicks off Palace players in there, which is a shame because it's, it it's, slows it's, down a little gorgeous. bit in the in the middle, doesn't it? Otherwise. Yeah. Because uh, my memory of it before I'd watched it back, my memory of it from last night was that it was a clean back to front goal, and you and then I rewatched it when our uh, it sort of it sort of restarts in the middle before Sar pings it. Yeah. Um, I yeah. Are you saying that uh, Brazilians are good at diving, Wendy? <laughs> <laughs> I I am saying that. Okay, I I thought Davies was uh was fine in the first half. I suspect that his substitution was more about his fitness than it was about uh, a sort of a comment on his performance. Um, but I thought Royale was good too. And I do also think um to to defend Davies a tiny bit that um our improved performance in in down the left flank was more about getting Madison wide onto the touchline um than it was about mm. um. That was about Royale over Davies. Royale doing more of a sitting and passing job. Davies doing more of a running on beyond kind of job. Um, one of those being, you know, a little easier than the other, I suspect. Um, and therefore also less Richarlison taking awkward touches out on the touchline with his back to goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a fair point. How many um how many goals do you think Sun scored from outside the box this season? Is it none? None. It's it's amazing, isn't it? When you, when you think of Sun, you think of outside the box curling it in or just pushing it past mm. the man and doing that. It's quite incredible that he's become a predatory striker now. And it's um I'm I'm all for this evolution of Sun. I'm really I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, we had the question. Was it last week about shooting from outside the box? And it is. It's absolutely true that we're we're not getting as many shots away from outside, but we're getting plenty of shots in from inside the box. I feel a lot are blocked or flash wide. But um... was it was it the Palace game or the Fulham game? Madison nearly got a shot on the edge of the box, and I felt like it was going to be a goal as it arrived at his feet. But then he he had a slightly loose touch or a, a player got out to him or something. Mm. Yeah, that rings a bell. I really felt like there was a goal coming there. Uh, you just reminded me that um, we had a free kick just outside the box, yeah. and Basuma Madison shot. and Basuma were over the ball. And I was thinking, this is you know obviously Basuma is going to to run over the ball, and, and Madison's going to have a shot. But no, Basuma <laughs> smashed it over. <laughs> Why is he on free kicks now? <laughs> it doesn't seem to make Listen, any sense. In order to make the Basuma run over work next time, you got to invest in Basuma <laughs> shooting it into the crowd. I, I hope that time. is it. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing we did find out about set pieces uh, post match is that it's Yedinak who is the set piece guy. Postacoglu credited credited him with um, improving our defensive set pieces, but I presume that also means he's doing the attacking set pieces. Um, we were brilliant at defending corners. Gurhi had one headed chance, but on the whole, we were so good. Like we had a string of corners against us. And we, we mostly did. got rid of them. I think that we conceded three headed shots from those corners. Only one of good quality, though. Okay, maybe I need to go back and uh, and rewatch the corners. But I was a little shaky about our corner defence. And you know, you know, Mila Yedinak, Palace legend, obviously. So yeah, um, Nathan, do you think our fear or the fear we have from set pieces is because right now teams are struggling to open us up? So it almost makes set pieces their one way into beating us. Is that do you reckon that's heightened in the kind of nervousness on them? I think that we uh, are we lack any especially good <laughs> defensive aerialists in our entire squad. Basically, um, even Van der Ven. Like, yeah, he's he's a big lad and he can leap, but he seems to sort of I don't know. 
bounce off the ball a bit sometimes he, and statistically it shows as well um he doesn't tend to win headers on the halfway line all that much he tends to let them roll and then he's just obviously first to the second ball because he's an absolute freak and it showed again in this game that any ball in behind just belongs to him um but in terms of yeah i, I both romero and van der ven individually not great in the air um and then obviously poro what we saw for for, for palace's goal um, both that he is a small guy who can't jump, but also maybe, not maybe, I'll say it, he does lack some awareness of what's happening over his shoulder when he's defending the far post. Um, I don't know, maybe... 100% maybe, handball, uh, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Uh, I don't. I sort of don't mind. I'm not upset. I'm not. I don't need the. I don't need the audio leaked, and I, I don't demand a replay. <laughs> but but I think that like despite the fact there's a handball, you can say there's a defensive frailty yeah. there, and it's also it's like this is a kind of um, this is a possible thing. This is especially apparent in Japan is defending the far post because of how narrow the back mm-hmm. play mm-hmm. as well. So it's a it's a weakness of Poro's game specifically, and it's also exacerbated by the by the way that the back four defend is that switch to the far post. We saw it against. Um, Luton quite a bit as well um, we also saw yeah. it in the previous game against Fulham so normally what happens is uh, the the central midfielder on that side helps yeah. at, that, at that back post against Fulham the clip that went viral is of Saar suddenly spotting the danger and, and running back to head the ball uh, to his own cost like gets injured doing it you remember the moment where he like leaps in and heads the ball clear at the last second um, uh, yeah. final, did well, it? yeah, Spurs, 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 Spurs <laughs> official tweeted it, and people were going mad for it. Um, okay. Yeah, and I, and I think like that is in that moment, Porro was tucked in, and so there's two men over uh, behind him. So it's like, a, as you say, it's a tactical thing. But also with Porro, we know we've seen it before. There's, as you say, a lack of awareness of, of what's going on behind him. Um, Whiskey Foxtrot says. Is Son becoming a true leader? I was surprised to see him say to Saar at the end of the game, you make that pass, I score, we don't get stretched like that. It was great to get a peek behind the curtain and see him engage the younger players in reality versus vibe Son that we always know and love. Um, And similarly, I think, James Robbins said, the end of the Palace game was rough. I was going to ask this about Basuma originally, but do you think we're suffering as a team with complacency? Feels like we're lacking a touch of experience. Um. I think this son becoming a true leader is a bit of a bit of a myth or a red herring. I think son's always been a leader. He's always led his country. He's always been a like a prominent figure in the team. I think this year he's just getting more spotlight because he's captain and Kane has gone and people are realizing that that that's who he is. I think he's always been this person. I don't think it's needed. I don't think it's just perhaps uh, Kane has gone and Lloris has gone and the, and the captain armband has gone to Sun and people are just more aware of it. I'm pretty sure Sun has, has been this kind of person all the time. Um, yeah, I largely agree with Buddy. I think that um, Sun is basically the perfect captain um, to play under Postacoglu. There's a really, really good piece in uh, The Guardian by uh, David, is it Heitner? Yeah. yeah. You think it's Heitner? Okay. Um, Ange Postacoglu's Tottenham Revolution rooted in common sense is a piece about how there's no uh, gimmicks. There's there's no like, um, you know, sort of... Labradors. There's no Labradors. There's no sort of like cringy, low-level uh, CBT type <laughs> stuff. It's just Levens. like... Yeah, there's no lemons. It's just like him being like a sensible, 
honest bloke who's good to get on with and delegates reasonably and has like a good vision for football. And that's the secret to Postacoglu's success at Tottenham is like being the only coach in elite football who isn't a complete fucking weirdo. And, and I think that, and I think that Sun is also that kind of captain, you know, a good, reasonable bloke. Just really straightforward, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, and I, I do think, like, seeing him dish out a bit of tough love is no bad thing because he's got sure. this persona of being, like, so sweet and nice and maybe overly nice. So it's kind of good to see, like, a bit of the ruthlessness that, that lies beyond. I mean, obviously, if you've made it this far as a professional footballer, you have to have a ruthless streak. You have to have a, a level of, like... Yeah, ruthlessness is the word, I think. Uh, so we sometimes forget that. But with Son, it's it's even easier to forget it because he's so sweet-natured and so supportive of his teammates. So I, I think it was good to see. I didn't think the end of the game was too bad. I mean, no, it fine. looks so bad because of the concession of that goal. And then there's a moment like after that where we were a bit shaky, which I think is natural when like suddenly the opposition gets a huge lift, a huge boost of adrenaline. The crowd are riled up. They're on their side. Um, I, I mean, I do think it's handball. And, and if that goal's ruled out like it should have been, then we always just say, well, won't be brilliant seeing the game out again. Um, I really liked Vicario and Van der Ven and Romero just passing the ball between themselves and waiting for Palace to commit, which they yeah. seemed unwilling to do. Um, it must have wasted three, four, maybe five minutes in total yeah. doing that. Like it was really successful and calm. And, you know, Lloris wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have been able to do that. He would have, <laughs> he would have bottled it. God, imagine. Um, but Vicario is just so calm confident in his own ability on the ball knows that when he plays the pass out it's going to find the player's feet and and find the feet in in the ball's going to arrive at their feet in good condition like he hits the ball in a really smooth way um it was great now i i still don't think vicario is the best goalkeeper in the world you know but i've been incredibly surprised how a keeper from a a foreign league has turned up at a turned up in the Premier League and just kind of just settled immediately because there's there's always a transition period for a lot of goalkeepers when they come here just because well it's look a at Onana shape. now I mean who'd have thought yeah. that I mean Onana is a, an incredible goalkeeper with his feet who's now has to pass the ball up to Harry Maguire Johnny Evans and it's causing him issues so. I, I still would have preferred Onana over Vicario, but I'm very, very happy with Vicario. But yeah, as I was saying, I've never seen a goalkeeper transition so quickly to life in the Premier League. And I think he deserves a lot of credit on that. And I also think the defence around him deserves a lot of credit. All of them have been brilliant. And it's been overlooked in the kind of narrative about our free flow and attacking football. It's just we're a really difficult team to beat. And yeah, a lot of credit to all of them. You were going to say something, Nathan? Yeah. Oh, I just wanted to say that um, uh, I love how much holding onto the ball got under the Palace fan skin. How they yeah. like? I don't. I'm not sure whether they were booing us for holding onto the ball, which is hilarious, or booing their own team for not coming and pressing the ball, which is also hilarious. I thought that so, the latter. Uh, um, I I really want us to do that again. I want us to do that every week. I want us to 100%. to provoke booze from the opponent. Yeah, yeah. I think fans. it's probably I think it's probably a bit of both. They're like, both. why are they not playing football? Why why are they not running at us? It's like we don't we don't have to. We don't really. have to. Yeah. The issue. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't benefit us, does it? It doesn't. We're waiting <laughs> for you to commit yourself. It's a chess game, lads. Yeah. Mm. Um, 
Ryan C says, is Van de Ven currently the most irreplaceable member of our starting 11? The <laughs> speed has cut out numerous potentially dangerous attacks and turned them into simple passes back to Vicario or Romero. If we put any of our other centre-backs in that scenario, even Romero, I believe, I don't think they're stopping nearly as many of those situations or they have to take a much more dangerous challenge that could be ascending off if not timed right. Yeah, I pretty much agree with that. I mean, it's certainly um, on account of how the squad has been built is <laughs> the case because we, we just don't That's have it. That's it, isn't it? Yeah, but I also think he will be hard to... I'm trying to find um, a centre-back who could come in and deputise for either Romero or Van der Ven and uh, it's it's tough, it's tough. What about your boy Tapsoba? What's he up to? Uh, he's not going to come in to be third choice for a team who aren't in the Champions League. Well, this is the thing. In a way, we've made it harder for ourselves now because they're so good together. They're such a good no, partnership. No, 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 no. Let's not do this. We, we've we grown as human beings and we've grown as football fans. Let's not do this. Jan and Toby can't be split. They can be split. Let, we can we can sign a third good centre-back. Yeah, I, I, can be done. I, I agree we, we should, but I'm thinking from the player's perspective, would you want to come to Spurs right now? If you're first choice at your club, would you want yeah. to go to a team where... Just won the league. You've got to compete with, with <laughs> Van der Ven and, and Romero? Yes, 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 because because we're talking about players from Eredivisie, we're talking about players from the bottom right. half of Ligue 1 and Bundesliga right. and La Liga, and, and we're not talking about getting taps over to leave by Leverkusen because that's silly. Because we don't, we're not going to spend more on our third choice centre back than we did on Van der Ven, right? I mean, if life has taught us anything, it's the, the having Champions League football gives us more problems. We'll injure player. We'll, we'll, we will need to rotate and we yeah. need a rotation of a high enough standard. So City do it. Why can't we do it as well? Mm. Yeah, I do think this is where we're going to come unstuck this season. Uh, the, the sort of backup players not being up to it compared to the first 11. I mean, I th- in terms of irreplaceability, I do think Van der Ven is, is up there, but I'd say Vicario and Madison for me are of a two. Um, I don't know. I think I think if I think if Van der Ven can play alongside another centre back, I think Romero struggles if he has another centre back other than Van der Ven alongside him. I think yeah, I just I think there'll be a huge drop off. I think we can just about get away maybe with four Forster for a game or two. Ugh. Maybe yeah, I know it's not nice. It's not nice. Flashback this to that is, Fulham game. But this this is the this is the problem when what we have here is a situation where we've never kind of future proofed our goalkeeping situation. We should have had a young ball playing goalkeeper playing underneath Hugo for years and years instead of turning to Forster, who literally we just signed him because he has a passport. Yeah, yeah, and, and maybe Brandon Austin should have been that goalkeeper, but like he's barely played any men's football, and I, I'm I think it's ridiculous. Like you, it's got to that point, and I expect Austin and Whiteman both to leave in the near future probably at the age of 25 and barely having played any really testing football that's crazy um, absurd yeah absurd um i've got a question here from from a bardi who says could we get potch sacked <laughs> <laughs> oh could. my goodness we could we're, yeah. we're not going to get potch sacked do you remember when everybody wanted dad to come home everybody was mm. going on about potch potch myself included I've had some bad takes in my time and I, I will continue to have bad takes into the future but I didn't want him back and I'm glad we didn't get him back mm. Fair oh, play to you. I'm so glad mm. I'm so glad we didn't get him back uh, yeah I mean I think the thing is Chelsea's underlying numbers are good uh, and they they look like things are moving generally in the right direction Brentford today they were awful 
they didn't have Enzo Fernandez, which didn't help. Um, but Jackson was playing up front and looked terrible, absolutely terrible. So I suspect when they play us, it'll be back to Cole Palmer playing as the, the sort of central forward. Um, and Fernandez hope well, hopefully for them will be will be back and and we'll see a different looking Chelsea. But uh, I don't think he's getting close to being sackable yet. If we batter them and then they lose another couple, then maybe. But I think it's too soon. Yeah, I, I it should be too soon, and um, <laughs> the underlying numbers should matter, but we're talking about Chelsea. Like, <laughs> yeah, this if, is true. If either of those things were relevant factors, Graham Potter would still be in the job, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And, and, and they went big for him. Like, he was their, he was their massive opening gambit of, of how they were going to do things, and they gave up by Christmas, so... <laughs> It's not impossible. If you're a long-time listener, you might know I've been drinking AG1 for about a year and a half. It's part of my routine. Keeps me focused. My morning shake of AG1, a dash of lemon and a couple of droplets of vitamin D. I'll take it to my desk and get cracking with my day. I know where I am with it. I'm not chasing my supplements around or trying to figure out what kind of formation of supplements work best, like some B-Tech snake pochettino. It's all there in one scoop or one sachet if I'm out and about. In a world where Spurs are playing Mondays, then Fridays, then Mondays, and God knows where else the television companies put us. I like the fact that I can find consistency in the small things in my life, like my AG1 drinking. Get some routine in your life. Get some consistency. Get some AG1, mate. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why they've been a partner for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. That's drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. Check it out. I mentioned earlier that we have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash extra inch, and um, we've had quite a bit of bit of content recently. Uh, Nathan's Hoiberg video, which he, he briefly mentioned at the start, but very good work again, Nathan. I really Thank enjoyed you. that. I enjoyed it also. <laughs> I bet you, you would did. Do. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bardi is reading An Echo of Glory. Yeah, Echo of Glory, Tottenham in the 21st century. It's a review of Tottenham in 
21st century to how our club changed the moments that it changed and the managers that have inspired the change and their impact and it's a lovely book written by Gareth Thomas it's really useful if you're not familiar or you're not as old as as us <laughs> and you kind of miss those early 2000s it's, it's quite a good review well, it's a good review on, on those days so that's Gareth Thomas 54 on Twitter and I'm going to be speaking to him on Wednesday about his book and also on holiday I finished Tears at La Bombonera which is about a, a chap Chris Highland um, ground hopping around South America going to visit as many football stadiums as he can in a four or five year period so I'm going to be reviewing that for Buddy's Book Club on Patreon awesome and I continue to do post-match reaction pods 10-15 minutes of uh, stream of consciousness normally quite close to the end of the match um, and straight off the training ground is back. We've we've recorded three episodes after a brief hiatus. That's myself and Chris Summersell, who is a coach and analyst uh, who has worked for league clubs and also other big clubs. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I can say. Uh, but yeah, Chris is great. Always has interesting things to say about the game, and I, I really enjoy doing that podcast with him. I enjoy editing it. Nice. And and the sound's better now, Nathan, as well. Yeah, man, it's a lot easier to edit as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. Is that is so Chris has become less of a fidgeter? Is that, are we allowed to say that? No, no, no. He's, Chris is still fidgeting, but um, <laughs> yeah, because because we're no longer... So I need to get you on this for BBC, by the way, because we're using different software to record it, I can isolate mm. Chris's track and take out all of the fidgeting while we're speaking. <laughs> cheers Chris really appreciate you man we love you Um, Marcus says what do you anticipate the response to Maurizio Pochettino will be in the match and what reception would you like him to receive now I I think this could have gone two ways had we been struggling and um, Chelsea cruising it would have been quite angry and vitriolic we would have been going after him hard but the fact that we're cruising and he's struggling it's going to be very mocking I think towards Pochettino and if we go two or three up I think we'll probably get you getting sacked in the morning I think that will that would definitely happen so it would definitely it's not going to be good either way what reception would I like him to receive a bad one as well Mm -hmm. I agree I agree I think give him give him both barrels he he joined chelsea he deserves it um he's he's reaping what he sowed now uh jesus perez won't be on the bench by the way because he got a red card today oh i do like jesus is like unfortunately just one of those getting caught in the crossfire (laughs) i do quite like him Uh, he signed the contract with chelsea man you know true I'm a coward because he follows me on Twitter and I haven't tweeted any horrible things about Mauricio Pochettino because I don't want his parents to see me tweeting that. And, and I, the thing is, like, I'll sit in the stands and I'll boo Mauricio Pochettino, but I, I won't, I won't do like a, a face-to-face, put my name on it because that just feels too, that feels too harsh. I, I think that it's good and right that he would be booed. I think that he should be. Um, I'm less convinced that he will. I think that there's, I think there's still a bit of a loving. I think there's still a bit no. of it's Levy's fault that Pochettino went to Chelsea mentality, um, which I don't really agree with. I guess um, I don't know how much we'd said this at the time. But I feel like it's more clear now with hindsight that um, that the club knew certain things about Pochettino's character and his authoritarianism and um, about how things fell apart at the end that that made them 
turn down the opportunity to bring him back. That's my suspicion anyway. That's not that's not ITK or anything like that. Well, the suggestion was that he he really fell out with Daniel Levy and okay. that their relationship was pretty broken by the end. But then but then didn't Levy speak quite fondly of him when he sacked him basically. It wasn't the public statement and also the the, yeah, the but... releases through the press about how hard it was for him to do that or do you think that's just trying to buy points with the fans? Probably a bit of that, but and, and maybe he meant it. Maybe it is completely genuine, but he still did it. He still like he sure. still broke the relationship essentially. Um, There's a lot in um, Gareth Thomas's book about Levy sacking managers because obviously we've been through quite a few. And Levy Levy was he used the Amazon documentary and everything else to kind of turn people his way because Pochettino <laughs> was so loved. Mm. I think had Pochettino gone anywhere else, I think the reception for him would have been quite nice. Had he gone Man United, yeah. Had he gone Man U, yep. even City yeah. would have let that. But Chelsea and Arsenal would have too. He would never have gone to Arsenal. I don't think he's that much of a snake. <laughs> but um, God, going imagine, to Chelsea, imagine the reception if he had gone to Arsenal, like like effigies, <laughs> death threats, uh, chasing his car down the road. <laughs> 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 that's some, sometimes that's where you need like um, the Italian ultras they do a lot of bad things horrendous things <laughs> do they mate but they <laughs> they do do some nice stuff like they will just like if um, if Roma beats Lazio they will just deliver an empty coffin and drop it outside their um, their stadium or yeah. just deliver a load of carrot a load of carrots because their team their players have been playing like farmers they do some they do do some funny stuff in amongst all the the horrendous uh, <laughs> charts <laughs> Uh, this one will allow me to be a bit self-indulgent. So uh, Jesper Schergren said, Windy, which Spurs youth player over the last 10 years that didn't make it Spurs do you think would have thrived in the new system without thinking too much in hindsight over their careers, that is? Uh, and two players come immediately to mind. Kyle Walker-Peters, who is absolutely excelling for Southampton in the Championship. He would be brilliant as an inverted fullback on I either side. we might consider... Going after him, we should. Next summer? We should be considering mm. him because he can cover mm. both sides. Yeah, and is really good at ball carrying, underlapping runs. Yeah. Wonder if he'd be interested in that. Yeah, I don't know. And then the other one, uh, which I guess is quite predictable. We need a one v one specialist. Marcus Edwards is really, really good. One v one would be quite a good system fit. I think he 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 wouldn't come back. No, um, <laughs> from what I've heard. Um, but I think that he's more of an inside type player. That, like obviously the ability to beat a man is a transferable skill to the outside but then he's got to do the big far post cross and I don't know if he has the, the hamstrings for that I think he's oh he doesn't a... need to do that he just beats another man and beats another man and beats another man yeah, until okay, he's on the six enough. yard box yeah yeah he's having an off season so far by the that's, way that's so, true yeah he's been so on maybe the bench his before. value has plummeted mm. no. Uh, no I don't think that's going to happen <laughs> no I agree I agree um, shout out also to Jack Clark who didn't come through our youth system but we he was playing for our under 21s um, absolutely tearing up the championship Se- selling so him was a terrible decision <laughs> he rocks dude he's, he's really good so good he's really good I, I said he was really good from the moment we signed him I watched him play for England and be the best player at that age group for England and people on Twitter told me I was a moron and Jack Clark is rubbish and we should never have wasted <laughs> money on him and I'm like this guy is good I, I'm sorry what can I tell you he's a good player he's got to be back in the Premier League next season I can't believe 100%. it didn't happen in the summer 100%. also while we're talking about uh, academy players former Tottenham academy players in the championship shout out to Harry Winks who's having a great time at Leicester yeah man mm. 
Really happy for him. I think with Jack Clark, we we set him up to fail because we hadn't yep. signed the player for so long. The first yeah. player through the door should have been Endobele or Lo Celso or, or Cessignon, someone else. Not Jack Clark, a, a child from, from where we signed him, Leeds. It shouldn't, it shouldn't have been him. When you were talking about which Spurs player, I was convinced you were going to say Velkovic or um, Bentaleb. I thought you were going to say one of those two. Uh, yeah, Velkovic obviously hasn't become as good a player as I thought he could do at one stage, but still a really good ball-playing centre-back who used to, who started off as a defensive midfielder because he was so good in the ball. Um, so that's a good shout. Ben Stubbs had a strange career. Is he, is he yeah, getting this, minutes at Lille yet? Let me find out. Yeah, he's, this, he's, he's come on. But the question wasn't like the players that... We're not talking about a player that left Spurs and went on to have an mm. incredible career. Mm. We're talking about a youth player who... He would fit the had, system. Who would fit the system. So, I, yeah, I thought one of those yeah, two. Yeah, Velkovic is a good call. Shout out to your boy, Onoma. Oh, I loved, I loved him so <laughs> much in under-18s. He was incredible. And then just never he was amazing for England as well and then just yeah mm. never materialised yeah sometimes these things happen it's true to end the pod Lion says who is top of the league Christ Spurs <laughs> top of the league by, by getting some distance now getting some distance with our with our old the old Monday Friday Monday schedule what the fuck is that <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird isn't it um I mean, I said earlier that I didn't think we'd stay there. I think I do think we're starting to see. Um, well, Udogi in, got injured. Basuma got suspended. Sar got injured and was miraculously straight back in training in the last mm. game. But you know, they, the injuries will start to to come. Um, and like we discussed earlier, we can't cope without certain players. Van de Ven, Vicario, Madison. These are really hard players to replace. And I think. That's when we'll fall away. When we miss one or two of those for any length of time, it'll be difficult. Having said that, it was really good to see Brian Hill, Bentancor, Brennan Johnson come on. That like improves our depth, I think. I'm not sure that uh, Postacoglu fully trusts Brian Hill yet, but he gave Johnson a, a good chunk of time. I, to the extent where I wonder if Johnson might start the next match on the left. What do, you, what do might- you think for the Chelsea game? I think he might. I thought Johnson had an excellent, excellent assist doing the thing that Johnson does, which is bursting into space and playing the immediate cutback. That's the Johnson move. I love that he can do that on the left and the right. I agree with Windy that his header just before that was also excellent. He didn't really do anything else for the rest of the game. And I appreciate that obviously he's coming in a sub and the game's dying down and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but he would be getting that start off the back of basically two touches. Um, I'm still open to it. You know, give him, give him, give him a game see how it goes in terms of uh in terms of looking at the table still early days but it's, it's getting to that point where there's enough points in the board where you can start to say looking pretty good for top three yeah <laughs> it's mental isn't it i mean that is way too early it's way too early to be declaring that kind of thing but if we if we keep up this performance level then we should be fine for the champions league places yeah i mean the other the unknown factor is um is whether Vicario is an actual brick wall or or if there are going to be a couple oh, of goals going That save he made, point. by the way, against Paris. <laughs> another ridiculous save. It's ridiculous, man. He's very good. Everybody at the moment has become a Spurs opinionist or a podcaster, so much so that on, on my way home from circuits this morning, my wife and I had a, a, a 10 minute discussion on Spurs being top of the league. And she was just like, See, I told you, just um, you should have sold Kane a couple of years ago. And I said, Well, <laughs> if you listen to the podcast, you would have heard that Nathan and I were, were all for selling Kane two years ago. She was like, Just son is 
the reason Tottenham are top of the league. And I was just like, she hasn't watched a minute of football, which is great. <laughs> but she's convinced that we should have just invested in Sun ages ago, binned off Kane, and we would have won something by now. So, um, yeah, everybody's a Tottenham podcaster right now. <laughs> you have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nate If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub, who we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.